All right. People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many, uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. And that sure sounds good. But a lot of the guys who come in here, we can't handle one-on-one. -on -one. Even two-on-one. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. Come on. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. Okay. Ask him to walk, but be nice. If you won't walk, walk him, but be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. Being called a cocksucker isn't personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. <laughs> Is she? <laughs> I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is? You won't. I'll let you know. You are the bouncers. I am the cooler. All you have to do is watch my back and each other's. Take out the trash. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my that one, you cheap dime store hood. Andy! Yo, Scooty! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 25, Roadhouse. Done. <laughs> All right, well, part one. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> so this is the long-awaited 25th episode special. <laughs> We're probably like the only podcast in history to really celebrate our 25th episode like it's some big achievement. <laughs> <laughs> we have to pretend like it matters. Yeah. Plus, you know, I mean, the fact that we even did more than one episode is shocking, I think. The fact that we have the equipment... Is shocking. Yeah, I mean, we, we we really went through with it. We're really doing it. But once you're in, you got to just keep going. Yeah. I think for us personally, uh, Roadhouse is a film that has kind of been on film. <laughs> the short list of potential subjects. A modern masterpiece. Right. I mean, this is something like, 
before we even started recording at all and we were jotting down ideas i think this was like a top pick one of the reasons to do the show really yeah and i mean there was uh some initial uh interest from some of our listeners in this topic uh it's kind of just a film that some of our previous listeners <laughs> well yeah i mean not everyone's gonna stick it out yeah. through 25 <laughs> episodes i mean the first five or six or whatever five i would say were pretty rough but it's getting better getting better every time and um, we've got hundreds of more topics to go <laughs> yeah i mean i'm actually thinking like we just took we, we're coming off of a break obviously we didn't have a new episode last week i'm thinking like we need to really up the ante or take another break no no more breaks <laughs> we got too many subjects to get to that's true and so little time yeah. left in our lives <laughs> Well, at least me. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you reach the point where like your big hangout of the week is going to like a m- mostly abandoned mall, <laughs> and that's like an exciting day. I mean, I think we're reaching the end. We're driving all over the greater Pittsburgh area to go to various movie theaters. Yeah, only to the surprise of people that I tell, <laughs> why were you in Bridgeville seeing a movie? Because <laughs> it's awesome. That's why. Yeah, you don't get it. Yeah, you just. You wouldn't understand. So, yeah. So, look for, you know, some big things coming from the greatest moments in the history of Forever podcast this summer. And, you know, forever. <laughs> <laughs> and at least until I pay off this equipment, which yeah. is at least a good three years away. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right. So, Roadhouse, kind of a cult classic film these days uh came out in 89 uh only did about 30 million at the box office which i mean is nothing to sneeze at but it's nothing what was the budget uh 15 all right yeah i mean i think you know it was positioned as like kind of a big movie uh when it was released like it was like late may or whatever i think they thought it had potential for a big summer movie what was like the monster like numbers for a movie to take in at that time uh like i would say like over a hundred yeah um and then like the real crazy stuff would be like you know the indiana jones movies right or like jaws world domination would be like a couple hundred million or something um yeah i mean if you adjust for inflation 30 million is not too bad yeah but i mean it, it wasn't like a monster hit i mean it was kind of in the swayze timeline it was kind of sandwiched in between uh dirty dancing and ghost which were God. massive films yeah and made an insane amount of money it's just in like hit after hit well no there were some clunkers <laughs> mixed in to that run yeah but yeah i mean roadhouse was like ahead of its time in a lot of ways and also behind the times in a lot of ways <laughs> God, patrick swayze just a real renaissance man. <laughs> I mean, he's making songs for these movies. Well, the funny thing with Roadhouse is I think one of the taglines they used was something along the lines of like the dancing's over, now it's time to fight <laughs> or something like that. Like they they referenced, you know, the fact that he was in like Dirty Dancing. Um cuz all his movies take place in like the same universe. He's <laughs> just different <laughs> characters in them. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, the only, the modern-day, like, equivalent of a Patrick Swayze would be someone like a Channing Tatum, maybe. Yeah, Paul Walker, R.I.P. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess a modern day equivalent since Swayze and Paul Walker are both dead. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Paul Walker's career was like that similar to Swayze. I don't know. Swayze was like a huge movie star. Yeah. Paul Walker was, I mean, let's yeah, be honest. You're right. Fast and the Furious uh, aren't huge movies. Yeah, but that could have <laughs> That was his one thing. And yeah. that could have been anybody. Whoa. Far City Blues, bro. Oh, okay, if you're—I mean, if you're seriously comparing Paul Walker's career right now to Patrick Swayze, I, don't... I, I think what could have been is what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, he was like already 40 when he died. I think it was over. <laughs> In other words, good riddance. See ya. <laughs> the eulogy of Paul Walker. Get off this planet, asshole. I'm joking. Yeah, we all shed a tear, mm-hmm. especially when at first when. Our friend told us or told me about the news when I thought he was talking about Neil Walker, the baseball player, for a second. And I was and like, like Phew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they obviously are working on the uh, Roadhouse reboot remake and they cast Ronda Rousey, mm-hmm. you know, because now we have to cast women in all these roles that were once held by oh, men. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, Although it is, to be fair, it's probably more believable that Ronda Rousey could beat up a bunch of people than Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Just straight up rip people's throats out. <laughs> but, um, and, and, and honestly, like, I don't really care about who was going to be cast in that role because the movie's going to be dog shit anyway. It'll probably be PG-13 or something, which would just be horrendous. But, you know, I, I used to do a blog... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Confessions. <laughs> yeah. And one of my posts was, uh, you know, casting a Roadhouse remake. This was like a few years ago, way before uh, the Ronda Rousey thing. And I had Channing Tatum as the lead and um, Timothy Oliphant as the Wade Garrett oh. character. And Why couldn't it just be Sam Elliott still? I mean, have you seen him lately? I mean, he's <laughs> no. super old. Yeah. I think I had uh, January Jones as Doc. Dude. And uh, Riley Steele was the other chick, the <laughs> Wesley's uh, girlfriend or whatever she is, yeah. property. And uh, I think Wesley was Billy Bob Thornton, maybe. It was an interesting cast. Like I actually thought it was like a pretty reasonable. The only time when it got Nick Foley was Emmett. <laughs> the only time it got unreasonable was like I put like Lizzie Kaplan as like the other waitress, like the dark haired one, and I was like, that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but anyway, so. You know, that'll be terrible, and they did a sequel, which I've never seen, that was, like, straight to DVD, called Roadhouse 2 Last Call. Right. Where they, for some reason, just, they say that Dalton is dead, and it's just like, what? What an abomination. I know. It's just like, what the fuck? Just because, like, they... Like, I think Swayze was supposed to be in it, and then... He realized it was terrible. <laughs> well, no, because his standard, you know, before he died was pretty yeah. low. I mean, he was in a lot of, like, sci-fi original movies and stuff. <laughs> but, like, I think there was a money issue or something, and he ended up not being in it. And they then wouldn't they were pay just him like, well, $250,000. <laughs> but the original... I'm not one of those people like I don't really get too bothered by like the remakes and the sequels of things that I hold dearly if if the if the um follow-up things aren't quite as strong like I don't I mean it doesn't really bother I don't even me see most of them it's like I'll still hold Roadhouse in the same regard regardless of what happens with this Ronda Rousey well one. it'll just like come and go like everything it's no thing yeah I mean like do 
does anyone care that there was like a Footloose or Point Break remake? Like, no, the Footloose remake was not that bad though. All right. <laughs> it was directed by the guy that did like Black Snake Moan. Oh yeah, and uh, it had Julianne Hoof. Oh Hoof. yeah, she's a babe. And she, oh my god, she was unbelievable. Freaking smoke movie. show. But um, yeah, I mean, like whenever I was like, if I was like said something to you like, oh, I I was watching Poltergeist the other night and I noticed this thing about it. Would you think like, oh, he's talking about the Sam Rockwell remake? No. <laughs> no, it's like no one. I mean, the remakes just come and go and disappear and nothing matters anymore. <laughs> just like every other movie. It's yeah. like no one cares. And everything else. <laughs> All right. So, which is good because we do a podcast where we talk about movies. <laughs> Keeping them alive, though. Uh, All right. So, the film kind of opens at like a, I mean, we're just going to dive right into it, I guess. Right. We yeah. So, if we have any housekeeping things, we can address those later. No one cares about that shit anyway. <laughs> well, I know, but I do. Okay. So, um, the movie opens with, or uh, it opens at a bar in uh, what I guess is supposed to be New York City. Yeah, um, it pe- appears to be anyway. <laughs> it's kind of unclear where city. this bar would be in New York City, but um, and you know, like a little uh fight breaks out i think like a a woman like slams a knife on a table and the guy like like kicks the chair like she had she's sitting like open-legged like kind of like a dude and she she has like a dress on or something but like he kicks the chair between her legs to knock her back and a full-on brawl erupts (laughs) in within seconds yeah and dalton who we don't know is dalton yet but swayze uh he's kind of like the cool level-headed peaceful warrior peaceful warrior he's just like in charge of the situation and you know his his guys are handling it but uh you know they they keep kind of like uh fucking up because they let the guy go and then he grabs a knife off the table and just cuts dalton for no reason (laughs) (laughs) like already like within minutes the level of ridiculous like out of nowhere violence is already established like for no for no reason that we can see yet as a viewer does this guy stab just zero control as if like you know drunk people sometimes punch people but i mean how often does it then turn to them trying to kill that person with a deadly weapon yeah i mean you just like escalated from spending a night in jail to possibly you know a couple years in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, what was this really worth it? Yeah. <laughs> to just get a good, like, a to slash it. Prove your point of kicking the chair out from some girl is okay. <laughs> so he he's like, Dalton, I, I've always wanted to try you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not only is the insane violence established, like, the homoerotic undertones Dialogue. Are, are already being <laughs> laid out before us. So Dalton, you know, acts like he's going to fight this dude and he's like, all right, outside, which is, we'll find out later, part of his big strategy as a world-class bouncer slash cooler <laughs> is to take the action outside of the bar. Yeah, which, real original idea. Which he really lays out at the beginning of his stint at the Double Deuce, which will come later, yet throughout the film almost never happens again. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty much every brawl happens within the bar. Right. And it's all a big trick because this is just a way to get the guy to go outside. And then as soon as he's outside, he just turns around and walks right back in. And then his 
you know, security team stands there like a wall and the guy, other guys can't get back in and they're just like, oh, we're not actually going to get a chance. We to were fight. outfoxed by the great Dalton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they wanted to prove that they could take him, which I see. I think obviously is ridiculous. I mean, they were they would have been destroyed in oh. like two seconds. But <laughs> Dalton's a peaceful warrior. He'd rather just you know, he only fights if he has to. Yeah, I mean, he'd rather um, dis- he'd rather like disperse the anger, the situation. He'd rather like cool it off rather than you know prove what a man he is by beating everyone's ass all the time. Right. <laughs> Which he'll have plenty of opportunity to do. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, granted, he does beat a lot of ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the normal thing to do for a bouncer at a bar is to g- retire to a back room and take your shirt off and immediately <laughs> begin stitching up your own wound. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Which he is doing when a uh, silver-haired creep of a man <laughs> comes in. <laughs> Tillman, who is just like the leader of the bouncer slash cooler fan club, like he knows these, like the legends of these famous bouncers, and acts like they're these giant celebrities. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think the way that some of the action plays out later, I don't think he's the only one. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people. Uh, are familiar with Dalton's work. <laughs> a lot of people uh, know who uh, Wade Garrett is already. Um, it seems like there's like a whole circuit. I heard you're the best. Wade Garrett's the best. Right, I mean... Well, this idea, I mean, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but even when they meet the guitar player in Jasper, it's like these people have been... They all work this circuit as if it's like yeah, I mean they they it's seemingly like Dalton has worked at so many bars and crossed paths with so many people that like everyone is aware of his prowess as this uh, legendary uh, bouncer slash cooler or whatever. And Tillman, who has apparently come into some money, thinks that it's a wise investment to put that money back into his own club, which is in a town called Jasper, Missouri, which is a real place. However, it's odd, and I I, kind of wanted to make a note of this. In multiple places, I've seen a distinction made uh, between the real Jasper, Missouri, and this... they, They refer to this as a fictional town, despite the fact that it's real. Like okay. <laughs> they admit like in a lot of these descriptions of the film, it's like they admit that Jasper, Missouri is like a real place, but like this is not a real place. <laughs> like, right. I don't which I don't understand at all. Like no. I'm not sure what that is supposed to mean, but it's like they could have just said like, Oh, this is like a highly fictionalized version of a place or something, but they could have just yeah, made they it. made a fictional town that has the same name of a town in that state. Yes. That's okay. what it seems like. Right. I mean, I don't know how that's verified, though. I just, I've... I guess it's like if they made a movie in a small town called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's like, well, that's obviously not <laughs> Pittsburgh. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. My biggest problem with Tillman, other than like, he's obviously like a a creep. <laughs> Some of the things that he says to Dalton just in the opening scene are. I, he looks at Dalton and, and later Wade Garrett with such awe. Like, yes. I, yes. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's just like, what? <laughs> he wishes he could be a man. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, I mean, I don't, his whole... I never really fully understand his whole thing. I mean, you just went over it, but like, he's owned this bar, but he just came into a bunch of money. And right. I just don't understand 
Instead of thinking, oh, I have enough money now, I can get rid of this fucking dead weight of a horrible bar. Right. He's like, I know, I'm going to turn this hole in the wall fucking into an enterprise filled <laughs> dirt bag biker bar into basically, uh, you know, Champ O'Malley's from <laughs> Young Adult or, yeah. you know, the equivalent of like 1989 uh, TGI Fridays or something like it. The designs that he comes up with later look like the fucking Max from Saved by the Bell. Like, it's so <laughs> shitty. Wow, that place sounds awesome. <laughs> it's all like neon and right. like weird color. It's like it doesn't actually seem like the type of place that anyone would think like, oh, I'm going to go get a beer there. He would later go on to design the Distinta Theater in Bridgeville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But my biggest problem with Tillman is that he played a character in the Newsies that it was like an evil character and I never got over it. Yeah, you just couldn't buy it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, you know, I hated him when I yeah. was like a kid. You know, young Christian Bale singing and selling newspapers. And this fucking asshole, like, <laughs> I don't remember what he does, but he's just evil. So anyway, it doesn't take much convincing for Dalton to be like, all right, well, I'm going to leave New York City, which you would think if you're a bouncer, if you're like a professional bouncer, and that's the career path that you're on, you're like, well, you can't get any higher than New York City in America. Right. This is like the big time <laughs> for bouncing. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, they discuss salary. And I mean, what Tillman is willing to pay, he's this invested to change the bar that he's willing to dish out what? It, it was <laughs> what, it, if you added it up, like what they actually talk about, it's well over uh, 125000 a year. Just to like, pay Dalton to kind of manage. To clean up this yeah. bar. And for what, I mean, I, I guess the money is enough. I don't know I don't know how much he's making in New York, but Dalton's just, I mean, he's <laughs> obviously enough to own a Mercedes, as we're going to find out in a minute. And right. You know, he's like, fuck it, I'll go to Missouri. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he just is like a a wandering... Yeah, his living situation doesn't seem very steady because he just kind of is able to leave with no... You know, he's not selling his flat or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, shockingly, we don't get, like, scenes of him trying to, like, sublet his apartment or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, there are seemingly scenes of him doing everything. Yeah. So Tillman plans to invest uh, money into this club, enhance its image, and he wants a first-rate cooler, <laughs> which I, I love. <laughs> well, like, you did have to explain this to me the other day, because I was complaining that a bouncer can come in and all of a sudden have, like, full uh, managerial power to just fire people as he pleases, make all decisions for ordering liquor, <laughs> and you're like, well, he's a cooler. Well, that, I was joking. I don't think a cooler does any of those <laughs> things either. I don't really know what a cooler is. <laughs> yeah, I know me like, neither. The top bouncer. Right. Okay, so... <laughs> top bouncer. <laughs> Dalton, like, arrives in Jasper, and then this is where the film really gets into the nitty-gritty, like, the day-to-day -day life of Dalton. We see him buy another beater car, because... <laughs> Well, yeah, when he leaves the city... He gives his other beater to a homeless this guy. This is like movie logic thing that's always like... they just People just give their cars away. It's like no title transfer. I mean, is, I assume it's, you know, he paid cash for it or whatever, but... Yeah, well... I mean, how is this homeless guy going to... I mean, it must have like a short life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's basically just a, a bathroom for the homeless guy. <laughs> yeah. A private bathroom. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, his move is to get a beater car to take to work so that his Mercedes doesn't get fucked with because inevitably a lot of drunk and rowdy people find out 
what car is his and decide to like vandalize it. Right. I mean, I, it seems like a lot of effort is going in. Like, oh man, this guy wouldn't let me fight inside the bar. I'm gonna fuck up his car now. <laughs> yeah, like and I not just like key it. We're gonna smash out the windshield and slash all four tires. Yeah. Uh, so we see him buying a new beater car. We even see him buying new replacement tires, <laughs> which is my favorite included scene in the film because yes. it's just like, did this really make the final cut? Especially- Every scene so watchable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's got to find like a place to live. Also, um, he he goes to a farm owned by a guy named Emmett, who's got like a you know big gray beard, and he's kind of like got these like colloquial. I can't forget that word. <laughs> yeah. Colloquialism. Stumble over that. Uh, he says a lot of stupid shit. I'll just <laughs> say it like that. Like a lot of hillbilly stuff. Right. But he's like a nice guy and he's got this like really kind of nicely done up apartment in the loft of his barn. <laughs> yeah. Which is strange. Right. I mean, it is a barn, but this like almost luxury bachelor pad upstairs yeah i mean it's got electricity and it's got like uh some nice furniture and it's pretty clean looking i mean it's like i think what is he he ends up only charging him like a hundred dollars a month it's like jason statham's apartment in the mechanic (laughs) um that was like a really strange (laughs) reference for this podcast i've actually never even seen that movie Um. Yeah, I mean, Dalton is just like banking cash at this point because he's yeah. getting five hundred a night, a night from Tillman, and he only has to pay a hundred dollars a month in rent. Yeah, he is just living the dream. And you know, he ne- he obviously isn't spending a lot of money on shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe Although, like hairspray, replacing tires fairly frequently. That's true. So he's got a place to live. He's got a new beater. And he's got new tires, so, you know, we get our first kind of, like, look at the Double Deuce, which is a insane shithole. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it, first, I don't understand why there's a single person there, let alone some really beautiful women for the 80s wearing, like, yeah. really short dresses and skirts and like stuff. Like, titties on display, basically. Yeah, because this looks like rape city right like yes there's no absolute no law or no control over what's happening inside the double and as we'll go to find out through the rest of the movie no real law in this whole town yes uh the band is playing behind a a cage cage because (laughs) part of uh the night's activities for a person who would go to the double deuce is to a just, patron yeah i could not think of the word. a patron of the double deuce might be inclined to throw their glass bottle at the band that's just tuesday night at the double deuce several fights break which out. would inspire the question of if the people don't like the band why would this be the house band well that's the thing because even in this first sequence we the, or is it like the shell in lost river where it's just people <laughs> can do whatever they want to the band yeah consequence free but like they do finish playing at one point to take a break in their set, and they get, like, some applause. So, like, the people like them, but they also like to throw things at right. them. It's kind of, People like, just really need to let loose at the double deuce. <laughs> it's just a catchphrase. Yeah, I mean, it's a place where... <laughs> uh, you know, it's a place where people just really like to go blow off some steam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
and blow other things. So there's like a huge brawl several times. At one point, the professional wrestler Terry Funk picks a guy up over his head and throws him through just one of the tables and like knocks over other people. <laughs> just so much damage being done in this bar. And Dalton, you know, cu- cool as a cucumber, just like surveying the scene. I mean, he's got his lion's mane of a fucking mullet going. <laughs> He's not saying much to anyone. He's not doing anything. Not getting involved yet. If I was Toman, I'm like, well, you're not getting 500 for tonight. You just stood there. Right. Like this was just statue. more like a meet and greet thing, an introduction. Uh, this whole first half of this movie is kind of like the inspiration for Bar Rescue. Like It's just <laughs> like John Tapp. I mean, he is. He just like comes in. He looks at the employees. He just comes in. He's like, you're out. You're fired. Like... <laughs> Yeah, so Tillman shows up, and he sees for a good fuck call written on the wall, and he changes the F to a B and adds an Your I, phone so number? it says for a good Buick. <laughs> um, which is funny, because there's like shit written on the wall everywhere, and, he, and there's so many crazy things happening that for some reason he thinks this is really going to help. Um, He's like, oh, this will be clever. So Dalton's like already made it clear to Tillman, like, hey, you know, I got to have complete control. Like, you got to do what I say. And Tillman is cool with that because he's such a fanboy of bouncers (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Anything goes, yeah. So, yeah, they have their little, like, meeting after the bar closes that night where Dalton starts laying down the law. I mean, he fires one waitress for dealing drugs. He fires Terry Funk because he's got the wrong temperament (laughs) and tells him there's always barber college (laughs) dalton's got like a a lot of really shitty one-liners right (laughs) and you know he lays down his like three important rules for being a bouncer which is uh the first one stinks. It's like, never underestimate your opponent. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. Right. It's like, thanks. Thanks for absolutely nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the second one was uh, never start stuff inside the bar, which I already said that gets broken several, several times. Right. Um, and then the third one is be nice. And that's the hardest for these uh, fellow bouncers to grasp. They don't understand. Why would we be nice? But it's like thinking about these three rules it's like well yeah that's all well and good i mean it sounds good in theory okay well people are causing a problem we'll just kindly ask them to leave and escort them out but it's like what if it's like brock lesnar (laughs) (laughs) and you're just like hey we would like you to leave you're a little out of control sir and he's like no i'm gonna fucking kill you well here's the thing it's like they've already as we just said they've already set a precedent of what goes on at the double deuce yeah once people understand what it's like there it's really hard to change that mentality amongst, you know, the patrons of the Double Deuce. Like, they're <laughs> expecting a night of brawling and titty squeezing and everything else that's going on there. You know what I mean? Like, it's, hey, I I came here. I paid for my drink. I want to be able to throw it at the band. Right. This isn't like a karaoke and trivia bar. This is a fucking brawl and possibly nudity bar. <laughs> <laughs> we also... Uh, got our first um, look at the one guy who ends up not being affiliated with the villain um, of the film, Brad Wesley. Because a lot of the people that get fired ended up on Wesley's side, or they already were, or something to that effect. But we do see another guy that ends up getting fired later. And we get our first hint of him being like really into underage chicks and letting them into the bar. 
not a lot to say, I guess, yeah. on that one. From Matt. <laughs> but like, we get our first hint of it, and then that'll lead I don't to really some. Remember that part? Well, he uh, he's talking to that chick at the bar at a table whenever the fight's breaking out. Oh, the, the yeah, fat guy yeah. can't yeah. get him to help, right? <laughs> and that chick who he's talking to is just like really intense. Like, she's really into his game, whatever he's saying. <laughs> um, and one of your first impressions of the Double Deuce is a guy just dancing without a shirt on. <laughs> And he yeah. he just what remains there for the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, why would, like, okay, so Tillman wants to turn this into, like, a nice place or whatever. But, like, why would nice people ever go to this place? You know what I mean? Right. And it how seems many like people only- are even in this town? What is their max draw? You know what I mean? I don't know. It doesn't seem like, I mean, there's, like, a couple of stores. They're getting a JCPenney. <laughs> but, like... I don't know. From what we see of the town, it doesn't seem like... It seems like they might have like two to three businesses. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yet the Double Deuce is just like fully loaded with, you know, ex-cons and... Drifters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know, no matter how nice you make the place, I don't know if you're ever going to get nice people to come there. Yeah. And if you don't let the shitty people come there, it seems like it would go out of business. When your town population is 982, it's like... Yeah. So, the other, like, interesting thing is that, like, as I, as I mentioned, uh, Tillman has, like, this great awareness of bouncers and of <laughs> Dalton's career. But he's not, like, the only one. Just the regular waitress girl. Uh, I can't remember her name in the movie. Is that Dalton? <laughs> yeah, she knows that it's Dalton. And then she tells some of the other guys... And they have heard of him, and the one guy's like, yeah, I heard he ripped a guy's throat out. <laughs> it's just like, you know, what, is there like a, a, like a, you know, like a bouncer observer newsletter that just goes out that you can subscribe? I mean, how are they hearing about this stuff? I don't even understand it. Yeah. Like, I've, I mean, I've never worked at a bar, but I mean, I've known people who have. It's not like they're talking about what's happening in bars in other states. <laughs> like, what? This is almost, this movie, like, presupposes that there's only, like, one bar per state. It's like, yeah, it's like I just go to a bar here, and I'm like, yeah, I was at this bar in New York City, and this bouncer, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Legend. I've heard about him. He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like this, this movie, it, it truly uh, like it. He's de- actually a cooler. <laughs> it, it definitely gets called like a modern day western a lot, and it 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 follows a lot of the western, the typical western narrative of like the stranger comes into town and saves the town and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and all this the mysterious past and blah, blah blah blah. But like it also takes a lot of like the things from, and, and, and you know the point being that like this is set in modern day, like it's came out in 89 and it's set in the 80s but like it also takes things from like the ideas in westerns that make no sense in 1989 it's like almost <laughs> like there's only like 5,000 people living in america well that's the yes there's <laughs> like, no repercussions for anyone's out of control behavior yeah i mean a you don't it's not that you just don't get arrested they seemingly don't get barred from the bar either no and i mean you can kind of <laughs> just insane you can kind of like explain away the lack of police presence just i mean it's not it, it, it it's not legitimate but like in real life but like in the movie logic you can be like well wesley has paid oh, off the, the police yeah. like he's he's more powerful than the police or whatever because they do reference at one point contacting like the fbi like in another <laughs> in like springfield or something but like the fbi is just always in springfield no matter what movie it is but like yeah i mean it's like it's it, it's existing like in an era that just like i don't know like the idea that like 
you would hear about people from other states, not even like uh, like the neighboring town, which would even that would seem like kind of dumb. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just like stuff that he's done in like other states all across the country. <laughs> His like, legend precedes him. Like the wait, like she's a fucking waitress. Like how long has she worked at this bar, and why would she even care? Like why would she even ever think about it? It's like, right. and it's not like you know. This is like the internet era where people are like, you know, they might have some sort of LinkedIn for <laughs> for bar employees. Well, it's like Reddit r slash coolers. <laughs> and there's just like pics of fucking- Dalton without a shirt on. <laughs> but like... I'm just holding like a fucking cowboy hat over his dong. <laughs> okay. Roadhouse... I, I In a weird way, like Roadhouse reminds me of like Game of Thrones. Like... <laughs> In Game of Thrones, it's like all the characters that we follow and that we care about, they're only wrapped up in this one thing. Like, who is, like, in charge? Like, who's going to be the king? Who's going to win this game? Whatever. And it doesn't really, like, ever let you know, like, what the day-to-day lives of, like, regular people in this universe are like. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like every character in Roadhouse, this is their lives. Like, the only thing that matters is who's going to win a fight between like Dalton and like Brad Wesley's like badass guy and it's like that is the like they don't care, they don't have like a a day job you know what i mean like it, it it's kind of this thing that happens a lot in like movies and tv or like entertainment where like the characters lives are subtly like infinitely more exciting than anyone's life has ever been even like a minor character like the waitress you know what i mean like right you don't think about like her like trying to struggling to get like money for the rent and like she might ha- she might be like a single mom. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the actual like grind of a daily life does not factor into something like Roadhouse. It's such pure fantasy that like the only things that matter are like which bouncers are the toughest and like, you know, the blind guy playing guitar is like, is he going to be awesome tonight? Is he going to let me sing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, will I hit him with this glass bottle? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she even gets involved in like the one brawl at one point. And it's like, maybe some uh, hot blondes going to take her dress off and show her titties at the bar and nothing's going to happen about that other than it's awesome. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't yeah. really, it exists like in this world that like nobody has to worry about anything. Like there's no except like the insane stakes that are created by like an evil, you know, millionaire guy that runs <laughs> a town. Like that, yeah. It's just like I don't know. It's just like that. I think is like what is like kind of appealing to people, kind of like on a, on a subconscious level. It's like I wish my life was even one tenth as exciting as a character in Roadhouse's life. Right. <laughs> it's just like they never have to worry about anything other than these stupid fights and stuff that they could seemingly walk away from at any moment. Right. And you mentioned like, you know, Jeff Healy, the the band dude, it's like him and Dalton have this connection from the past. Like there are a couple of old veterans w- war buds, yeah. yeah, from various bars that they've They've crossed paths <laughs> multiple yeah, times like... in multiple shitty bars. Right. It's like <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, uh, Jeff has, like, a familiarity with Dalton and Wade Garrett. And, <laughs> and you know, he's just a, a blind guy. It's like, well, why is this guy... If, if this guy's, you know, got this blues band that's pretty good and, like, could get work at any number of bars, why would yeah. they stay at a place like the Double Deuce, especially before <laughs> Dalton got there? Right. 
It's like... Well, we settled into our nice gig as the house band where people throw bottles at us. Uh, yeah, and the broken glass sprays off of the fence in front of us into our eyes. That's how I became blind, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a couple casualties from the Double Dew staff the first night for uh, uh, after Dalton takes control. Now, is... I, I might be jumping ahead here. The dude who is uh, making love in the back room with no clothes on, what, what night does that occur? That doesn't happen the first night. That mm. happens the next night, okay. which is when Dalton... Because he's an employee too, right? Yeah. He yeah. doesn't get fired the first night because he's the one that's like, what if someone calls my mama a whore? Oh, yeah, And yeah, Dalton's yeah. like, is she? <laughs> <laughs> Dawning on him that it is. Yeah, then you see the look on the guy's face. is like... My mother is a prostitute. (laughs) Yeah, so the next night, he gets in a couple of underage girls, which when I say underage, I mean under 21. I don't think the implication is that they're like under 18 or something because you do see him like fully nude. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. (laughs) The best part about this scene is like he takes this chick into like one of the stock rooms or something to fuck her and like very romantic yeah i mean he lifts her shirt up so that her boobs are hanging out and he <laughs> he pulls her skirt up so that he can get entry entry in there but like he takes all of his clothes off <laughs> he is completely nude so when dalton catches him he's just a nude guy right <laughs> and the chick can like you know very quickly pull her shirt down and pull her skirt down and everything's like covered and this guy's just standing there with his dick out <laughs> It's like the most guilty anyone could ever look. But like he just had to get all his clothes off. I guess like he's fired because it's frowned upon to let in underage women and then fuck them in the break room. Like, right, and probably against the health code too. <laughs> and then that's the same night that he gets rid of the bartender who's played by John Doe from the band X who has like a crazy mustache and like really greasy hair. Because he's skimming the till, like he's taking money out of the register. He's doing like the double dip. Yeah. Or the double drop. And this is when the conflict really arises. Because to this point, he's kind of flown under the radar of the town's oppressor, Brad Wesley, who coincidentally lives across the river from uh, Dalton and Emmett. Like, (laughs) you can see uh, Wesley's like uh, ridiculous 80s, 80s style estate. Which, uh, right across the river. So anyway, he's flown under his radar, but this night when he fires uh, the bartender, which I don't, again, I don't remember his character's name. A lot of the characters, they don't really say their names very much or at like, all. Yeah. But he is like Wesley's sister's son or something like that, like a nephew or cousin yeah. or something. Yes. And this is when like the real conflict occurs because... Uh, eventually the the bartender getting fired is like are you sure i'm fired right to tillman he's like i didn't hear you say it yeah yeah. he's like i'm saying it now (laughs) (laughs) pretending like he as long as dalton's there tillman's just like yeah tillman's got like a full erection in his (laughs) pants for everything dalton's doing like literally and he's like this is like an opportunity for him to play like the tough guy so he delivers that line and like I'm saying it now. Get out. <laughs> it's just like, okay, relax, dude. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that guy shows back up, like, the next night with one of Wesley's other guys who's, like, this really tall dope and the fat guy, too. There's yeah. three of them, Tink. <laughs> and uh, they're putting the, the squeeze on 
Tillman to give this guy his job back because of his connection to Wesley. And Wesley, who has his hand in virtually everything, as we find out, you know, he's kind of like a mafia boss mm-hmm. uh, and has a stranglehold on all the businesses Everyone in pays Jasper. Their dues. Yeah. He's also kind of in charge, or he has control over the liquor coming into town. So he basically is uh, serves as like the liquor supplier to the Double Deuce. So he's kind of got this backhanded way of controlling the Double Deuce from you know from the outside without actually owning it or anything. And you know they're putting the screws to Tillman when Dalton gets involved. Of course, you know another brawl this time. You know that starts in. Uh, Tillman's office and spills outside into the bar itself. <laughs> Goes right through that glass window. Yeah, and I mean, he beats these three dudes pretty easily with a little bit of help from the other bouncers of the Double Deuce. But now, like... Which, mind you, they do have, like, eight bouncers on staff at any given time. Yeah, I mean, Tillman... I don't know There's how Tillman... There's one, ra- one waitress, one bartender, and eight bouncers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Tillman is making, like, any money <laughs> with this kind of staff. And, like, the amount of damage every night. There's as many uh, bouncers as there are patrons on any given night. <laughs> <laughs> and, like... Because yeah. as we find out, you know, the bouncers can't handle these people one-on-one, or sometimes even two-on-one. <laughs> yeah, and we have to replace every table, every chair, and every <laughs> glass in the bar every night. Yeah. So, I mean, I... At this point, if I was Tillman, I'd be I'd be like really reconsidering my plan yeah. to just invest all my money into this place. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like hoping for Wesley to blow up the bar so I could just collect on the insurance and get out of there. Now, to this point, Wesley's kind of mostly been a uh, mysterious figure looming over everything, we, right. and we get these weird glimpses at his character. The first one is when he's flying his helicopter, and he kind of flies over Emmett's property right when Dalton is like renting the property and he kind of like buzzes around you know kind of being a dick (laughs) yeah and like Emmett's like I swear he does that just to piss me off (laughs) (laughs) and you know so we he just flies around this helicopter so it's like obviously this dude is insanely wealthy and because like you know in the 80s and like the era of the lifestyles of the rich and famous robin leach kind of world that hap you know was existing in the 80s and stuff like a helicopter is like the, the pinnacle symbol. of wealth yeah. yeah i mean it is so symbolic of just like decadent 80s wealth right and like then we see another instance where uh he's driving his convertible and just weaving between both lanes of the road yeah just like a just complete kind of asshole like- little symbolic for you know his whole presence he just does whatever the hell he wants yeah and i mean he's the only like uh, he eventually passes dalton and and dalton has to basically drive off the road to avoid being hit by this car and like i don't think they've had any face-to-face interaction or anything so it's kind of just like even before dalton was coming along the road and was in his sight line he was doing it anyway so he's just doing these things to amuse himself and no one else like he's not even with anyone at that at that point he's just (laughs) doing it to be a dick but he's finding it quite amusing yeah singing along to the radio and you know there's another part where dalton looks across the river and sees like you know a party spilling out into brad wesley's pool you know chicks taking their <laughs> tops just, like, off racing to the pool just in dancing various around. <laughs> levels of undress robes yeah. <laughs> very like hugh hefner yeah the playboy mansion right across the river and so it isn't but it really like dalton is kind of just like bemused by this presence until like it becomes a direct conflict when they try to pressure tillman to give that guy his bartending job back john doe i'll just call him right uh i 
And so, like, you know, they kind of fire the first shot by sending these goons in. Uh, Dalton gets stabbed yet again. <laughs> uh, just, like, a very similar wound to the one right. he stitched up himself. Although, for the, for some reason this time, he's like, I'm not going to stitch this up to myself. I'm going to go to the emergency room. And that's when he meets uh, Kelly Lynch, who is basically just referred to as Doc throughout the whole movie. Um, a stunning, <laughs> blonde, very tan doctor. Yeah. Who's super skinny. And they have one of the more famous um, conversations uh, from the film where he <laughs> says, pain don't hurt. <laughs> and they kind of have like this instant like chemistry, I guess. I don't really yeah, know just why. Just like an undeniable bond immediately and like you know dalton already has like his own file to hand her to be like this is my medical history and he carries it around with himself (laughs) and for some reason it's a very like humble brag move because somehow in this packet it says that he went to nyu and was a philosophy major (laughs) he just happened to put that right on top he's like hey you know usually your fucking college background is right in your medical records (laughs) um so she's kind of like intrigued by this. It's like, well, why is this dude a bouncer? Like, how'd you even get into this lifestyle? Yeah. And he's just like, I'm just lucky, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, she may be a doctor, but clearly she has some sort of like deep rooted sexual, psychological thing going on in her life. Yeah, she is like fucked up. <laughs> Because she's, like, attracted to this kind of guy. Right. Well, and, you know, as we find out, she also, you know, was hooked up with the main villain. Yeah. Um, her history with Wesley is never fully explained. Yeah. Um, we don't know what the story is exactly. She does reference being married and getting divorced. However... It's not clear that it was to him. Yeah. We don't have any... We don't even really have a clear evidence that, like, other than what the... Jeff Healy says at one point that they actually even really dated. It was more like he was real into her and she like left for college or something because <laughs> she was in high school. I don't know. Like it was really kind of unclear what their history was specifically. Like they may have dated at one point. He took her on a date to the theater, but at the end of the night, she gave him the dreaded cheek kiss and that was it. <laughs> well, it could be. Anything from as little as he had a major crush on her and he she wasn't feeling it ever to they were married at one point. Like, we don't know. Right. Like, it, it, there's a wide range there for her history. But, like, you'd think, like, all right, this is, like, this shitty small town, but, like, maybe there's still a lawyer or <laughs> right. someone, you know, nice. <laughs> just a normal businessman uh someone who commutes to like kansas city or someone something. who wants to go out and have a couple glasses of rosé on a friday night <laughs> not smash chairs over the people's backs <laughs> well i think that's just like that primal thing i mean yeah you know it's just those dalton pheromones a, pouring out of <laughs> dalton. dalton is just an alpha male with yeah. unbelievable pecs and arms and you know the fact that he's unbelievable pecs <laughs> <laughs> the fact that like washboard stomach i mean seriously yeah. i mean he's shirtless and oiled through much of the film and it's just like no one really looks like this in real life um you know and he's got that proud lion's mane of a mullet right. that's just like thick flowing in the wind lux- luxurious and just like 
she just wants to run her fingers through it so badly and she can't i mean there really isn't much choice i mean i'm not saying it was like a rape but it was like almost like a primal like she had no choice like it's just like she had to right she couldn't stop herself from just being sucked into dalton's world (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so you know he tells her where she works and she's like heard of it you know because it has such a terrible reputation and a lot of the work she gets comes her way from <laughs> straight from the double deuce because you know eyeballs being sw- swept up off the floor and she's like this guy seems Tillman. like someone i can trust <laughs> <laughs> yeah this guy seems like pretty stable he doesn't seem like a drifter who just wandered into town and oh, it's yeah. like you know you know possibly have murdered someone in his past which you know we find out that yes he has killed a man <laughs> and that is like haunted him um so you know it isn't it isn't long you know before she shows up at the double deuce to see what the deal is she's like i i gotta sniff around yeah you know a little bit and she shows up wearing Despite- like a tablecloth for a dress <laughs> But it looks smoking hot in it. Yeah, it's super tight, but right. it's like red and white checkered like a tablecloth. <laughs> Her hair's all blown out. Like when she was Jeff the, Healy would later use that dress as a picnic blanket. <laughs> <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> uh uh like when she's a doctor, her hair is all like down and braided, and she's got glasses, right? And she's wearing like a lab coat and everything. But when she like, shows right. up, like she turns it out, like, like for poof. for a night of the double deuce. Like she's wearing a skin tight dress. She's got her <laughs> fake tan going. Her hair is up and out and like flowing and like Kelly Lynch, like just she's, one of the true beauties of our time. <laughs> I don't know. Like I've kind of. There are parts of the film where I'm like, man, like Kelly Lynch is like really beautiful, like her face. But it's like it's There's one of those parts things. Where you're like, oh my god, what a disaster. No, I wouldn't say disaster, but like where she looks a little bit too fake. Like, right. you really have to like kind of peel back some of the fakeness that was because everybody looked like that in the '80s. That's why like <laughs> <laughs> that's why the '80s are like considered you know the least attractive decade. It's <laughs> just like pounds of makeup and just you know gallons of hairspray and fake tan it's just like i don't know like she does have like this natural beauty that that kind of uh comes to the surface a couple of times throughout the film like most specifically when they're on that weird threesome date with wade garrett which we'll probably get to more (laughs) in part two i mean that right their little night on the town the three of them could be like its own episode of the show just by itself because there's so much going on there (laughs) But, um, you know, like, Dalton, when when she arrives, Dalton's in the middle of a huge brawl. Because at this point... And she's like, oh, this is where you work. <laughs> the war between uh, her ex-boyfriend, possibly Brad Something, Wesley, yes. and her future boyfriend, <laughs> Dalton, is... Soon to be boyfriend. Really getting going now. Because a group of Wesley's toughs show up at the bar... Uh, and one guy's got a blade on the toe of his boot. <laughs> what an ostentatious move. And uh, one of the great lines is like, when they Red all come boot. in, uh, Dalton's like, sorry, we're closed. And the guy's like, what are all these people doing here then? And Dalton's like drinking and having a good time. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's why we're here. And he's like, you're too stupid to have a good time. Oh. And he like grabs his leg and pushes him back out the door. And that is the one time in the film that Dalton follows his own rules. Patrick Swayze actually like touched up his own dialogue for this movie. <laughs> Um, and this is all. This all comes on the heels of uh, Wesley's current slam piece, 
uh, the big uh, fake boobed chick who also just like an out of control vixen. Yeah, she comes on to Dalton real strong, right? And she gets herself a beating for that oh, later. Yeah. But uh, she her pickup line to Dalton was like, "Why don't you come back to my place and we can fuck." <laughs> <laughs> not much left of mystery there. Yeah. Uh Dalton not going for it though. He's not the type to pursue that kind of a loose He wants woman. a good girl, not a good time girl. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so Wesley's like main henchman, Jimmy, comes in and grabs her and like forces her <laughs> into a monster truck. <laughs> like there's just randomly a right. monster truck in the parking lot of the double deuce. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, because it's the 80s and people just drove around monster trucks like they were regular (laughs) vehicles to drive around. Yeah, (laughs) It was basically like, how much of the 1980s can we cram into one two-hour movie? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, a film with a monster truck in it in 1989 was like seriously super badass. Right. Now we're, we look at this and we're just like, what in the world? Like Dude's wearing one earring that's like a lightning bolt or something. What is it? Yeah, it was like a lightning bolt, although it was kind of like a cross, too. It was like it was very like oh, Barry yeah. Bonds-esque. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, he gets rid of that chick. The, the brawl ensues. Uh, Doc shows up. Uh, they kind of go on their first date after that like their yeah. their actual first date doesn't start until you know the double deuce is closed right and they go to like some diner and uh you know she drives around in a little jeep and she brings him back to the double deuce and his car is completely destroyed and a stop sign has just been thrown through the back window of the car <laughs> like a stop sign yeah. is hanging out of his car destruction of government property they kind of like uh you know, we, we kind of understand right away that this is going to be like the main uh, love story. Um, I don't think we uh, we really know yet about her history. I think uh, Healy, Jeff Healy tells Dalton, you know, fairly uh, shortly thereafter. But, and this will be like a good place. This last part will be, this will be like a good place, I think, to wrap for part one. Okay. So the next day... <laughs> Dalton's just laying around on the hood of his car for some reason, just <laughs> relaxing. As he wants to do. And a couple of Wesley's henchmen just show up. And, you know, they're not really looking for a fight because he pops up off the hood of the car and they both like step back in fear. Yeah. And they're just like, look, we know where you live. So. Well, I would hope because it's right <laughs> across the river from uh, our boss's house. Right. But anyway, they're like, uh, Wesley wants to see you. And for whatever reason, like, Dalton's like, okay with this. So he. Right. He follows them Which over. Which would be great if they just brought him into the house and he was murdered immediately, <laughs> just proving how smart he is. <laughs> so he enters Wesley's house and like 80s pop music is like blasting. Oh, I know. And we see the little blonde girl. It's like us in the other room listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the uh, 80s blonde bombshell chick who is Wesley's you know main squeeze, She's I guess. She's like jazzercising. Yeah, and she turns... To look at Dalton and her face is, you know, just beat to a pulp. She's she yeah, she's got a black eye and like bruises on her cheek and like on her neck and stuff, and it's just like, oh boy. Yeah. Uh and if Dalton was any kind of a man, he would have just, you know, killed everyone in the room the <laughs> yeah, instant no he kidding. saw that. But right. he was such a pussy he didn't do anything. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so Wesley 
I think, you know, at this point he's kind of impressed. Yeah. None of his thugs have been able to beat Dalton up yet, and it hasn't escalated too far. Starting to see him as maybe a worthy adversary. So he thinks, like, why not get this guy to work for me? Right. And he kind of throws that offer out there. Um, Dalton, of course, having none of it. Um, but this is a great scene. He's in- inherently good. Yes. He is um, a ray of light into a world of darkness right yes that engulfs jasper missouri <laughs> but uh this is like a uh, one of my favorite scenes because um we kind of get a little bit more of the story of brad wesley as told to us by wesley himself um he sees himself as like a self-made man uh he says he comes from the uh mean, of chicago. Yeah, the mean streets of chicago he and came up the hard way like dalton yeah, he's built himself this empire. As if he knows how Dalton grew up. Yeah, I mean, he he's completely unaware that <laughs> Dalton was a trust fund kid yeah. who went to NYU right. and got a philosophy major. Um, but, like, he sees his role in the town as crucial for the town's growth. I am Jasper, Missouri. Basically. Right. Um, he doesn't see, like, him... Taking a little bit off the top from everybody's business, you know, wetting his beak <laughs> a little bit. Uh, he oh, doesn't I gotta see, get mine. He doesn't see this as wrong because his, he feels like his service to the community is bringing them all there, bringing a 7 Eleven there, uh, bringing a photo mat there, and JC Penney's is coming here because of me, <laughs> which is, I mean, kind of a dubious honor. What a claim. Because, really. uh, most of the time, like, uh, this scene, I think, because I think, like, most people would just generally view Wesley as just, like, the evil villain of the film and not really give too much thought and, like, into his perspective. But in his mind, he has a right to everybody's money. Yes. Because he is doing these things to build the community up. But at, what you know, are those things? I just listed them. <laughs> He brought a mall. Oh, how did he bring it, though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he called them. He called their corporate <laughs> office. It was like, we hey, need- I found a spot. <laughs> yeah, bring that JCPenney's over here. We need moderately priced clothing. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, you're not a hero until you get like a Popeye's chicken here, a Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, where's McDonald's? Right. <laughs> the only place to buy food in the town, apparently, is the Double Deuce. I don't even think they have a grocery store. <laughs> People just live on beer like and mozzarella like sticks, peanuts and pretzels. <laughs> well, I don't even think there's a kitchen at the Double Deuce. <laughs> um, Man, I don't think they'd be able to pass like the health code no. kind of deals there to serve food. Dalton shuts him down and is like, "You know what? You're an asshole." Yeah, suck my dick, Wesley. <laughs> You're fucking holding this town down. You know, raping this town, and I'm gonna rape you. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. You don't you you don't have right you, you don't have a right to just you know take what you want because at this point he's already seen them fuck with Red several times and Red owns like the auto parts store across the street yeah. from the Double Deuce <laughs> and Red is also the uncle of Doc and you know Red is like a nice older guy and they, he's he's seen them come to collect from Red and also destroy some of Red's property apparently because yes. Red couldn't pay like he didn't have the money to pay what they were demanding so they just so their idea of fixing this was you know burying his business further <laughs> well it's sending a message you yeah. know to the rest of the community like hey 
you got to do your part. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so suddenly, like, this bouncing gig that Dalton has found himself in has turned into something else entirely. The mayor of Jasper. (laughs) The bouncer. The people's mayor. (laughs) The bouncer has got to now save this entire town. (laughs) Just a random bouncer who got hired to do a stupid gig is now like, I gotta like save an entire town from an evil dictator who's above the law. Right. And And has a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and has like 30 dudes just working for him, you know, doing his bidding at any time. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, this is like... Once you've like made it this far into the film, though, I think you're just willing to accept wherever it's going to take <laughs> yeah. you. If you're like, well, this is a universe where people have actually heard of this bouncer before, <laughs> so I guess I can buy the fact that he's going to be like a superhero and save the town. Yeah. <laughs> um, people can just commit violent acts on the reg with fucking, you know, no chance of being arrested. And at this point, um, since... You know, Dalton refuses uh, to work with him. Uh, This is when, like, the all-out assault on all of Dalton's friends and allies in Jasper begins. His newfound friends. Like you said, instead of just taking that opportunity to put two in the back of Dalton's head as soon as he walked into his front door. Right. Could have been over right there. Yeah, because there's no cops. There's no fear of anything happening. Right. They could have just... They could have just dumped his body in the river. (laughs) Or just... Yeah, just whatever. Uh, well, you know, he would have mounted his ass. <laughs> he, yeah. he would have stripped him nude, cut him in half, and taken his butt and hung it the on the wall. Hunter Wesley, who's gotten, you know, bear and uh, elk and whatever else. The one thing missing from his trophy room is Patrick Swayze's ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we're referencing something from towards the end of the film, if you're confused. so But instead of just doing that, uh, he's... Uh, he's kind of just like he wants to show Dalton how big his dick is. <laughs> right. He wants to be like, look what I can do, and he wants to kind of torment and play with his prey a little bit here. And he's like, well, I'm gonna like fuck with all your buddies in town, all the good people of Jasper. <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna all the plus sixty five <laughs> people that you've met. <laughs> um. And you know the. The big sticking point, obviously, is you know they're going to interrupt the uh, liquor delivery uh, to the Double Deuce, um, and at this point is when uh, Wade Garrett, the legendary Wade Garrett, who at this point I think we've only seen him from a phone call. Right. <laughs> Wade Garrett was working at a bar where they were having a that wet T-shirt sub- contest, <laughs> but the word T-shirt was crossed out. And it just said wet G-string contest because the chicks were topless. Right. And he has like a quick phone call with um, Dalton. Dalton and just has the number of whatever given bar Wade Garrett is working at at the, any the, given time. These kind of things. And we talked about this in Bull Durham too. Yeah. Like the world before cell phones and like the internet. It's like how in the world would they know where each other is? Yeah. Like, I have no clue. I mean people legitimately sat down and wrote letters like hey – Dalton but like why would he know where Dalton is like I don't know it's like yeah. it seems like they're both on the move so much like, right. from bar to bar like yeah. they would lose track of each other so quickly I don't know it's crazy but I guess like you know there's a whole network of people that keep track of this stuff because everyone hears about everything so it's like <laughs> yeah. hey he just has to ask that stupid 
Uh, hey, where's Wade been working? Brunette really? waitress. Yeah, like, way. hey, wh- have you heard anything about way- where Wade Garrett's at these days? I got to yeah. get a call to him. Um, <laughs> and he, the other funny part is he asks if Wade Garrett has ever heard of Brad Wesley. <laughs> it's like, and thankfully, Wade Garrett is like, no, because that would have been a ridiculous thing in the plot for him to be like, yeah, I've heard of this guy. Yeah, he's a real prick. <laughs> um, so, uh, I think Wade Garrett in that phone call kind of suspects, like, hey, maybe something's going on here. Yeah, he wouldn't usually off. call and ask about right. this. I got to head out to Jasper and find out what's going on. And so, yeah, check on my Padawan bouncer learner. <laughs> yeah, because he's basically the mentor <laughs> to Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the best. Kinda, he's the, yeah. He have, was the best. I think it's safe to say Dalton has People are him. acting like he's aged out, but Dalton would never. No. So I think that's like a good place to stop. We'll pick up part two. Follow the show on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe, please. Listen to our old episodes. (laughs) Please. (laughs) I mean, if you're listening to this and it's your first time, go back and listen to some of the old ones and subscribe. Uh, Tell your friends. Rate and review. It helps us. (laughs) (laughs) We're setting up a Patreon page where you can donate money. (laughs) <laughs> help pay off this equipment that we already have um uh yeah and they're gonna come guitar center is gonna come repo these mics yeah and i think here's the here's why it's important to subscribe to the show when we first debuted the show we just released five episodes our first day yeah and then we released we were like what what's going on then yeah. we released one or two over like the next week or two and then we released three at a time yeah and sometimes we've released That's right multiple in a week sometimes it's a two weeks in between i mean you got to stay on your toes it's like you can't constantly be checking it's like you don't need to you just go to itunes and subscribe yeah i mean that's it and then you'll get all the episodes not all of them are going to be good no (laughs) most of them in fact some people most people would say most of them are terrible yeah but every once in a while yeah, you, you hit a home like run. A- <laughs> Especially, like, I, I definitely think it helps if you've seen the thing we're talking about and have some familiarity with it. But, I mean, it's not a requirement. Especially some of the more obscure things we might do. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to the show, all right? Every episode's so enjoyable. <laughs> Just tell your friends about it. But be... Re- you know, it's okay. I would understand if you wanted, if you told someone about it and you wanted to distance yourself a little bit from it. Like, yeah. hey, here's this podcast that you might like. I mean, it's not that good, but, you know, maybe it's okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> yeah, who are these dudes? I don't know, two losers from Western Pennsylvania? I, I just listen to it to make fun of how bad it is. It's like, you know. <laughs> I've actually had multiple people tell me that they want to start a podcast just reviewing our podcast yeah they should (laughs) how many words i'll subscribe how many words did matt say this week (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, well maybe maybe you know you'll say a little bit you'll take the big stick for part two how many jokes did matt make that zach completely no sold (laughs) (laughs) well it's not a matter of no so no selling it's like i don't think i realized that they were jokes (laughs) (laughs) all right okay so we'll see you (laughs) All right, yeah. So, and like I said, I think, you know, for the rest of the summer, there might be some weeks where you get two episodes. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> That's like a bonus for people who want to subscribe. Yeah. I wish there was a way that you could do an episode and it only went to people that subscribed. But the, I don't know. Then again, we we would be shocked when there were zero <laughs> downloads. <laughs>
So maybe that's a bad idea. Anything right. that might reveal how many people actually listen to the show, like for real, <laughs> would probably be so depressing. <laughs> All right. So, you know, part two coming up next. We're going to continue talking about the greatest film in the history of Forever Roadhouse. <laughs> We're going to keep, you know, trucking right through this. <laughs> All right. See you later. <laughs>